Sometime, when the team is up against it and the brakes are beating the boys, tell them to go out there with all they've got and win just one for the Gipper. I don't know where I'll be then, Rock, he said, but I'll know about it and I'll be happy. A famous movie quote from one of the top five American football movies covered in this episode. I'm Chris Casey, and this is Sea to Shining Sea. Hello and welcome back to Sea to Shining Sea. I'm Chris Casey. We are going to tackle here in this fourth episode, pun intended, American football movies. This is kind of a continuation of our previous episode where we talked about the history and popularity of American football. Uh, Who doesn't love a good football movie? Uh, I have five, my top five, that I've taken a look at here. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun ride today. Thank you so much for listening. If this is the first time listening, welcome to this uh, thing we call Sea to Shining Sea. And if you've listened before, thank you so much. Uh, I'm currently almost to 100 downloads, and I'm only a few months into this as a rookie podcaster. So again, thank you to everyone who has listened and will continue to listen. If you have any suggestions or comments or whatever, feel free to leave them. And also, you can reach out to me at, at ChrisCasey71 on Twitter. I'd be happy to uh, answer any questions or uh, consider some suggestions. I'm having a good time as this rookie podcast continues. Let's take a look at my top five American football movies. One thing that all these movies have, uh, they may not be your typical movie that everybody else likes, uh, but they're all true stories. Uh, some of them pull at your heartstrings. Some of them make you smile. Some of them real realize that uh, human nature is a good thing and that we can get along. Let's take a look at my, my top five American football movies. Number five. At number five, I have the movie Invincible. In the summer of 1976, 30-year-old Vince Papali is having a tough run of luck. He's been working as a substitute teacher and has just found out his job has been eliminated because of budget cuts. His wife gives up on him, saying he'll never amount to anything and asks for a divorce. He works as a bartender and plays football with his friends. When the new coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, Dick Vermeil, announces that he will hold open tryouts for the team, Vince reluctantly decides to give it a cry. And the rest, they say, is history. This is a great movie. Uh, It's actually a Disney movie. And uh, the main star, everybody might know, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, Marky Mark, as it were. He does a great job as the main character. This movie is definitely a, uh, I wouldn't say a tearjerker, but a a definitely real-life great true story. You kind of see where Vince comes from. Very, very 70s movie. Uh, the way it looks, the way it feels. And I'll tell you what, even the football segments in here, oh my goodness, uh, they must have had carte blanche with the NFL because it looked really, really good, very clean, very polished, very true to the era. 
Taking a quick look at the cast, of course, as I mentioned, Mark Wahlberg as Vince Papali. Uh, Greg Kinnear as Dick Vermeil, who I thought did a great job as Dick Vermeil. And after reading a little bit about his portrayal here, he actually spent some time with Dick Vermeil. Those of you who don't know who Dick Vermeil is, he coached the greatest show on turf, Kurt Warner and the boys there in St. Louis in 1998. Probably his best best coaching outing ever, but just to kind of see where he started. I believe he went from college, I think he was at UCLA, or somewhere out in California, and uh, had made his step into the NFL. This was his first NFL coaching job. Dick Vermeil, definitely a Hall of Fame NFL coach, a name synonymous with coaching. Elizabeth Banks, the other probably big star in this movie. Um, Elizabeth Banks, I'm sure she's been in all the Hunger Games movies. Uh, She's always popping up in something. (laughs) Probably best known, like I said, for the Hunger Games. Recently, she's been in, uh, she actually voiced the Lego movie. Uh, She was Lucy in the Lego movie. (laughs) She was in Pitch Perfect as well. Also in Curb Your Enthusiasm, Power Rangers, and so on and so forth. Yeah, Elizabeth Banks. So really not an all-star cast other than those three. Not a, an ensemble, as it were. But they, they really put together a great movie here. It was uh, a true story. I think it's pretty awesome. You know, you have open tryouts. And this is in the 70s, mind you. This was a, a long time ago. And this kid, this guy, he was 30. He's already older than all the other guys on the team. And they, and in the entire movie at the beginning, when he's trying out, one of my favorite lines in the movie is, uh, I believe, a janitor there at training camp. And the janitor had put the, the name tag on his on his locker. And he said, hey, you spelled it wrong. And the janitor goes, well, like it's going to matter anyway. And he ends up making the team. So <laughs> Vince has the last laugh there. But yeah, if, if you love football and you want to see an awesome true story, and I don't know, Philadelphia fans are crazy. And that's kind of pictured in this movie. They really are passionate about their Eagles, whether they're good or bad. And this shows both sides of that story. And then for one of their own to have uh, made the team is pretty awesome as well. Some other fun facts about this movie, courtesy of IMDB.com. Although listed as a wide receiver, Vince Papali played almost exclusively on special teams. The only reception in his career came in 1977 on a 15-yard pass from Roman Gabriel. Uh, This would be the final pass ever thrown by Gabriel, who was a four-time pro bowler and the 1969 most valuable player. And I believe he was with the, Roman was with the Rams at the time. Uh, Vince Papali's real children actually make cameos in the film. Uh, His son, Vincent Jr., runs out in front of Mark Wahlberg's car to pick up a football, wearing the homemade number 83 jersey, which is kind of a a sweet little uh, nod in the movie. And uh, Mark Wahlberg realizes how important he is to the Philadelphia area, seeing a homemade jersey with his number on it. Uh, And also, Vince's daughter, Gabriella, is the quarterback of the kids' football game and throws the ball to her brother, Vincent Jr. How cool is that? Uh, Vince actually played three seasons for the Eagles and was the special teams captain in 1978. So this guy walked on and played three seasons in the NFL. Of course, I mentioned earlier, Greg Kinnear researched his role by spending time with Dick Vermeil during his final year as a head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. And then in where this all came from, this movie, in November of 2002, uh, NFL Films showed Vince Papali's story on an ESPN Monday Night Football. And it was part of a special to commemorate the 26th anniversary of Rocky. 
Hmm. Interesting. Uh, the four-minute piece about Vince captured the attention of Hollywood. And soon, dun-dun-dun, Invincible was born and a film was in the works. Many of the former Eagles that were playing at that time did give permission for Disney to use their names for this production. So I don't know if you're an Eagles fan and you watch this, you'll say, hey, yeah, they actually, you know, Harold Carmichael, I believe, was uh, one I remember hearing about. And I remember kind of seeing this Eagles team, not so much Vince Papali, but some of the names that are depicted in the movie. As I mentioned, the picture was made with support of the Philadelphia Eagles and the National Football League, which you could definitely tell in this movie. In real life, Vince Papali is six foot two, while Wahlberg is six inches shorter at only five eight. So he is a little shorter than Vince if you see the real pictures of Vince. So anyway, Invincible, my number five movie here on my top five American football movies. It's definitely a good watch if you want a good true story. If you're a football fan, hey, if you're an Eagles fan, this is a love letter, man. How cool is that? All right, now let's move on to my number four on the list of American football movies here on Sea to Shining Sea. Number four. My number four on American football movies is Newt Rockney, All-American. This is the story of the legendary Notre Dame football player and coach Newt Rockney. Lars Rockney and his family including his four-year-old son, Newt, or Canute, depending on how you want to pronounce it, emigrate to Chicago in 1892 from their native Norway. By his mid-twenties, Newt saves enough to attend the obscure Notre Dame University, where he excels in football and chemistry. He and his teammates develop a forward pass as an offensive weapon while working as lifeguards on summer break and use it to upset heavily favored Army in a historic game. After graduation, Rockney becomes a teacher while coaching part-time, but ultimately abandons academics to devote his energies to football. During his tenure as head coach at the school, he develops such outstanding players as George Gipp, who actually dies prematurely from a strep infection, and the Four Horsemen, while introducing many innovative tactics, including the backfield shift. Rockney, known for his staccato, motivational speeches, devotes his life to maintaining the integrity of the sport he loves. This is a gold standard for all football movies. This movie was released a long time ago. If you're a classic movie fan, uh, you know uh, about Newt Rockney, All-American. 1940. When it was released, it stars Pat O'Brien, a male lead from back in the day. Uh, Pat O'Brien, if you see a picture of him, in this movie he actually wore makeup to look like Newt Rockney. Quite a bit of makeup. You wouldn't know it in the in the movie. It doesn't show that, but definitely if you see a picture of Pat O'Brien, you're like, so in its time, that was pretty good uh, a makeup job for, for him as well. The 40th president of the United States was an actor, do you remember? Ronald Reagan. And he was in this movie. This is probably one of his most favorite and most famous roles that he had. The The term, as I mentioned on the onset, uh, win one for the Gipper. Yeah, that's where this came from. He played George Gipp in this movie. Did a great job. While George Gipp wasn't a big part of the movie, it was kind of a tie together to tie the playing years of Newt to the coaching years. And the, the quote was given 
uh, on the deathbed of George Gipp, and he later shares it with his players when he actually becomes sick. Let's take a look a little bit at a look at uh, Newt Rockney. If you're a football fan, if you love the history of football, the guy was an innovator. He was definitely an innovator when it comes to the game of football. This movie starred uh, not only Pat O'Brien and Ronald Reagan, but also Gail Page, Donald Crisp, Albert Basserman, Owen Davis Jr., um, and also had including cameos of legendary football coaches Pop Warner, Amos Alonzo Stagg, William H. Spalding, and Howard Jones, all playing themselves, other college coaches at the time. And in Reagan's presidential campaign, actually revived interest in this film because, of course, he used the Gipper <laughs> in his presidential campaign. This movie in 1997 was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the United States Library of Congress and selected for preservation in the National Film Registry. So this movie is stays true to itself. It's a love letter for Notre Dame. If you are a Notre Dame fan, this is a must-see movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, I was able to, I believe, on uh, Voodoo.com. That is a movie site that you can load your movies if you buy digital copies or you can buy them as a digital copy and i was able to rent it i think for 2.99 it's not something you're going to see on the shelves out there folks but it's and once in a while i think it might be on turner classic movies but i would check it out actually uh, taking a look at newt rockney as a coach some of the things that he did rockney helped popularize the forward pass and also made the notre dame Fighting Irish, a major factor in college football, and I would also venture to say that it, it still is a, a definite, always in the talk, and I know, I think NBC has the exclusive rights to Notre Dame football, so you could always see Notre Dame being talked about every year. And his uh, impact on the game had to have something to do with that, definitely. While this is depicted in the film uh, rather well, actually, for the time, uh, Rockney, he actually died in a plane crash on March 31st, 1931 in Kansas. Unexpected death? Well, it startled the nation and triggered a national outpouring of grief comparable to the death of a president. Even President Herbert Hoover called Rockney's death a national loss. Uh, the king of Norway at the time was Rockney's birthplace, posthumously knighted Rockney and sent a personal envoy to Rockney's massive funeral. More than 100,000 people lined the route of his funeral procession. And even the funeral was broadcast on network radio in 1931. Uh, that does sound like the treatment of a uh, president. This is a great movie. If you're a fan of the football history that I mentioned in my last episode, uh, this hits it head on. You see these guys uh, depicted uh, in the early 1900s playing this game. The, with the leather helmets and and depicting the beginning of a, a forward pass and and the and the shift the four horsemen it's covered in this movie so if you are a true football history fan please check this movie out it is number four on my list of american football movies i'd like to take this time now to kind of give a little public service announcement have you uh, got a little spare time on your hands and want to do something good for your community or those around you Please take the time and volunteer somewhere. Take the time if it, 
it's it's volunteering is great. I've done it most of my life. I've done everything from the Red Cross. I volunteered for the Salvation Army. I volunteered for Toys for Tots. Just lots of things that and then things that I've talked about. I was a volunteer fireman for a while. While you don't have to go that crazy, uh, please consider helping out your community. It's it's what we do here in America is help each other out. We got each other's back. Here's just some ideas. If you're thinking, hey, maybe maybe I do need to do a little volunteering in my community. Uh, some places that you could probably look. Of course, you could Google it. Say volunteering opportunity in my whatever community you live in. Um, but just here's some ideas. If you'll humor me for just a few seconds here. Animal rescue shelters. Who doesn't love a good puppy or a dog? Or I love my dog. We have a beautiful golden retriever. Her name's Little. She's actually a, a retired breeder dog. We love her. But you can go there and hang out with these dogs and you don't have to take them home. Uh, most animal shelters run on volunteers and on funds that are donated. So take time, maybe check out the animal shelter in your community. Uh, our national parks rely on volunteers. I mentioned last month, and hopefully you enjoyed your Super Bowl parties and had a great time. Kansas City won. Kudos to Kansas City. Food pantries. Episode, as I mentioned last episode, food pantries also need your not only your food and your donations, but they could use you to help out as well. Habitat for Humanity. Uh, I don't know if everybody has heard Habitat for Humanity, but that helps build houses for or remodel homes for those of the less fortunate. Your local library. Who doesn't love a library? I'm an avid reader. I love reading. I love going to the library. Libraries are always looking for volunteers to help out. You could do an art museum. You can go to an art museum and help out there as well. Not my cup of tea, but you can go to a political campaign. They're always looking for volunteers. Your local YMCA. I've coached at our local YMCA. It's fun. Coaching is awesome, guys. I've coached softball. I've coached basketball. Great times. If your children need a coach, step up. Step up to the plate. Step up to the foul line. Whatever. Or here, step up to the yard line and uh, make that pass. Get in there and coach. Retirement homes. They rely on uh, volunteers to help out as well. And something that's near and dear to my heart that I did for several years is the American Red Cross. So just some ideas. Please think about it. Uh, consider it. If you have some time on your hands to volunteer for a organization in your community, I'm sure they would appreciate it. Uh, volunteer today. Number three. My number three American football movie on my list is Brian's Song. Yeah, Brian's song is a 1971 ABC movie of the week that recounts the details of the life of Brian Piccolo, a Chicago Bears football player stricken with terminal cancer after turning pro in 1965. Told through his friendship with Bears teammate Gail Sayers, Piccolo and Sayers' sharply differing temperaments and racial backgrounds made them unlikely to become close friends as they did including becoming the first interracial roommates in the history of the National Football League. And the film chronicles the evolution of their friendship, of course, ending with Piccolo's death in 1970. The production was such a success that it later showed in theaters by Columbia Pictures with a major premiere in Chicago. However, it was soon withdrawn due to lack of business. Critics have called the movie one of the finest telefilms ever made, in a 2005 reader's poll taken by Entertainment Weekly, it ranked Brian's Song 7th in its list of top guy cry films ever made. Guy cry. I never want to say that on the podcast again, but 
I do have to admit, this is a guy cry, guys. This movie was actually released in the year of my birth, <laughs> to kind of tell you how young I am. The 1971 movie featured uh, Brian Piccolo was portrayed by James Caan, who at the time was just getting started in acting and went on to play a in a pretty good movie. Uh, the Godfather, he played Sonny Corleone. What people, you know, and, and he's been an, a character actor and an actor for quite a long time. He was in Las Vegas for a long time as a, uh, a regular. Actually, I think he was the main character in that show. But lately, I mean, he's still making movies. He is still in the movies. People probably remember him most lately as Buddy's dad in the Elf movie that we watch every Christmas. Elf uh, with Will Ferrell. So that's probably his most recent famous role, um, but he plays a he does a great job as Brian in this movie. Another young actor at the time that is is pretty famous and just reprised a, a huge role in his uh, filmography. Gail Sayers, who is still alive and and has done many many a interview about this movie and about this story. Actor I'm speaking of is Billy D. Williams. Uh, those of you out there who are Star Wars fans, this would be Lando Calrissian. Uh, yes. So Billy D, he was just starting out, did a great job as Gail Sayers. Uh, wasn't a very big talker. It was kind of the little comic relief in the movie, the, the ribbon back and forth where if he could get, uh, Gail to talk. And it was, it was, it's a great guy movie. Guys, you got to see this movie if you haven't. Um, if you're a Bears fan, like I mentioned with Notre Dame and Philadelphia with the previous movies, it's kind of a love letter. The Chicago Bears gave him, it sounded like carte blanche at the time in, in the 70s. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was very, very open. You, they're in training camp. They're in, uh, George Hallis, which we mentioned George Hallis. Remember him? He was one of the original owners in the National Football League, uh, the Decatur Staley's. That's even mentioned. In the movie, so that kind of that's cool to see how NFL history was even featured in this movie. Uh, Jack Warden, famous character actor that played Coach Hallis, and uh, another actor, Bernie Casey, uh, played J.C. Caroline, uh, one of the one of the um, players in the movie. Uh, if you if you see the movie, you'd recognize his face. Another character actor, and then uh, I don't know if anybody out there watched Coach. Uh, back in the day, but Coach's girlfriend, she was played by Shelly Fabrace. Well, she plays Joy Piccolo in this movie. So you might recognize her face very, very, very young. But yeah, so some familiar faces, yet it was just, it was, it was so well done. And if you're not tearing up at the end, you don't have a heart. I'm sorry. It is such a sad story because of, of, uh, of the way we get to know these two guys. Gail Sayre is, of course, a Hall of Famer, predecessor to, to the Bears of, of the 80s, but, uh, the Bears of the 70s, uh, Gail Sayers was the man. They even mentioned Dick Buckus's name. So some of the names were featured. I, I Not really. I, think, I believe some of the uh, Chicago Bears players were in the movie as well. So, yeah, it's a great movie. It was only a, a made-for-TV movie. This didn't even release in theaters. But when you watch it, you wonder why it didn't. You know, It's a great movie. If you're a football fan, the throwback to the history to the story of this, uh, it will make you tear up, I just have to say. Check it out. Brian's song, number three on this American football movie top five. Number two. My number two American football movie on this list is Radio. 
the 2003 film, is a wonderful, wonderful film. It features the story of James Robert Radio Kennedy, a young 24-year-old mentally disabled man, lives alone with his mother, who as a nurse spends much of the day at work. Radio spends much of the day roaming around town and pushing a shopping cart, which he uses to collect anything he finds. It's interesting. Radio often pauses to observe local high school football team in their training sessions, led by coach Harold Jones. During one such session, a football falls out of bounds, allowing Radio to collect it and haul it away in his cart. The team retaliates the following day by tying Radio's hands and feet and locking him into a gear shed. When Coach Jones frees Radio and punishes the team, Jones takes it up on himself to assist in Radio's care and gives him a nickname due to his penchant for listening to the radio. (laughs) I think that's awesome that nickname. Uh, Radio begins assisting Coach Jones on the football team and incites the team before each match as a mascot type figure. Uh, Radio's increased attention from Jones is faced with resistance, uh, who sees radio as a distraction from their own son's successes. This is a great movie. If you don't get a chance to watch it, if you want a feel-good movie about somebody who was kind of an outcast, an outcast in his, his community, which is down here in the Carolinas, It's just, well, you see how people can act, you see how people can react, but then you see how people can care. And this is a great movie. Cuba Gooding Jr. as James Robert Radio Kennedy, as I mentioned, this is a true story, does a great job. I I think he really embodies that person. And if if there is plenty of uh, interviews out there with the real uh, James Radio Kennedy, and I think Cuba did a great job. Ed Harris. Ed Harris isn't great in everything he's in. I've loved Ed Harris since the right stuff. I mean, in in Apollo 13 and great job as coach Harold Jones. Uh, And then Deborah Winger. Deborah Winger still acting her chops off. It is, uh, you know, Deborah Winger, she's most recently been Ashton Kutcher's mom in the ranch, but she was uh, Miss Linda Jones, Coach Jones' wife here. Another, this is kind of an ensemble cast on this movie in 2003. S. Epatha Murkison. Uh, if you watch Chicago Med, she's Miss Goodwin. Uh, so she was very young, a lot younger in this movie. Um, and she, I believe she was on one of the Law and Orders, I think Law and Order SVU. I think so. Yeah, there's Alfre Woodard plays the principal. That's pretty much the 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 all star cast. But yeah, it's a great movie. Like I've said, it happened down here in the Carolinas, and actually, Mr. Kennedy was still doing this up until he moved into a hospice home. Actually, James R. Kennedy, James Radio Kennedy, a man with developmental disabilities who became familiar and beloved presence on the sidelines during the, well, I believe it was T.L. Hanna's football team. He actually died in December uh, in Anderson, South Carolina. He was 72, so he has passed on. But uh, what a great story. Uh, some of the some of the lines in this movie, they'll make you smile. How? But there's also some stuff in this movie that kind of turns your stomach on how people would react. I mean, this guy's just trying to be sweet on taking, and all this stuff really happened. I mean, there's a little creative stuff in the movie, and you could see that on on imdb.com that things were changed a little bit. But in general, the James Kennedy character was depicted by Cuba uh, pretty much, you know, at the end, you get to see him. It's just a great feel-good movie. One other thing about this movie, and, and something that this movie and the number one movie have, it's just an awesome soundtrack. 
I mean, the soundtrack that this movie and it, it's it, during the movie they, of course, they have the melodic James Horner, you know, same guy who did Field of Dreams, those kind of melodic moments with with just uh, you know the music, but but like is it, this has the Rubber Band Man from the Spinners. This has uh, We're an American Band by Grand Funk Railroad, China Grove by. The Doobie Brothers, come on, this is awesome. Al Green, Shalala, Make Me Happy, I'll Be Around by the Spinners, That Lady by the Isley Brothers. And of course, some of the times he's listening to these on his radio and dancing and everything. So um, it's it's a great, great movie. If you get a chance, check it out. Radio, my number two on my American football movies. Number one. Number one on my list here on American football movies is dun dun dun. Remember the Titans. What a great, great movie. The storyline here is suburban Virginia schools have been segregated for generations. One black and one white high school are closed and the students are sent to T.C. Williams High School under the new federal mandate to integrate. The year is seen through the eyes of the football team where the man hired to coach the black school is made head coach over the highly successful white coach. Based on actual events of 1971, the team becomes a unifying symbol for the community as the boys and adults learn to depend and trust on each other. This movie is the epitome of a football movie. Not only do you see these young men grow up right in front of our eyes, they grow together. And they grow together as a team. Out of all these movies that I've talked about, probably the most technical as far as football. Because we, we, we learn how these coaches think. We learn how they act during a game. All while trying to fight the racial issues of the day. And they're trying to show that people can work together. And, and of course, you see the community and those around them, even in the team setting, that things might be ruffled a little bit. This movie is funny, it's sad, it'll make you cry, it'll make you mad at some of the ways people uh, have treated each other in the past. The cast is all-star. Denzel Washington leads the cast with Coach Herman Boone. A Denzel, probably his best role. I mean, and he's been in a lot. I'm a Denzel fan, not of everything he makes, but I think this was one of his best roles. He really owned it. Uh, Will Patton did a great, uh, I would call him second fiddle job as... He was, quote-unquote, the Hall of Fame career coach in this area, and uh, he did a great job filling those shoes as well. Julius Campbell, played by Wood Harris. I've seen him in some other things. Uh, Wood Harris, I've seen him in some other shows. Nothing that I could remember since then. Ryan Hurst, who played Gary Bertier. I think he stole the movie. Between him and Julius, uh, the two team captains, as it were, and, you know, the left side strong side that that quote that was that always gets me uh, pumped when i'm watching it ryan hurst went on to star in one of my favorite shows later uh as opie in sons of anarchy he was also in uh, my favorite american military movie ryan hurst he was in the we were soldiers so a character actor as it were he's still been in some great shows that i've enjoyed donald Faison. i'm sure you remember him from scrubs uh, he was in this movie. Craig Kirkwood, I think he's been in some other things. Ethan Supley, the the definite scene stealer in this movie, uh, played Louis Lastic. Oh, he was funny. 
uh, <laughs> brings a lot of comedy. I've seen pictures of him lately, though. He's not Louis Elastic anymore. But yeah, he, he brings a lot of, of fun to the, uh, the role. Kip Pardue, who he's been in a few things. I don't know of anything that I could think of, but you see his face and he does look familiar. Played Ronnie Sunshine Bass. And uh, he he is also a bit of a scene stealer at times when he kisses uh, <laughs> he kisses a very young Ryan Gosling and freaks him out or not yeah he doesn't kiss Ryan Gosling he kisses Gary Bertier anyway he kind of freaks him out because he's a California kid and and uh, anyway so yeah Ryan Gosling very young Ryan Gosling in this movie and a very young Hayden Pantier yeah. Hayden Pantier, she played Coach Yo's young daughter, who is a football fanatic, and she's a she's a bit of a scene stealer as well. Another, uh, I would say, somewhat famous actress in this movie was Kate Bosworth, played uh, Bertier's girlfriend, who was kind of not on board with everything. This movie, it, it like I said, it'll make you cry, it'll make you laugh, it'll make you upset. But in the end, if you're if you're a coach, have your team watch this movie. Because these guys come together and they come together like nobody else. And the fact that it is an actual true story that happened in Virginia uh, makes it all the more. And I'd be remiss in this uh, discussion of Remember the Titans, as I mentioned with radio, such a great soundtrack. This movie has an amazing soundtrack. If you love music from back in the 70s, oh my goodness, you have to have this in your playlist on your phone or wherever. Songs like... Ain't No Mountain High Enough, which they sing in the in the locker room. Spirit in the Sky, Na Na, Hey Hey, Kiss Them Goodbye, uh, Long Cool Women in a Black Dress, Up Around the Bend, Act Naturally. Oh my goodness, <laughs> this is a great, great soundtrack. As we close out the Remember the Titans, there is a quote from the movie with the older Cheryl, uh, who's grown up and they're all actually in the movie, they're at uh, Gary Bateer's funeral. Uh, she says something pretty poignant at the very end. Now, people say it can't work, black and white. Well, here we make it work every day. We have our disagreements, of course. Before we reach for hate, always, always remember the Titans. Such a great line and, and narration uh, from the older Cheryl. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sea to Shining Sea, talking about these American football movies. There is so many to talk about, uh, but these are my top five, all true stories. I'll teach us about humanity and uh, trials and, and things that happened in our lifetime, um, but we have moved on from and have learned from and have been depicted in film by such great filmmakers and by such great actors. So thank you again for listening to this episode. Please join us next month as we move into March, the, the Ides of March, the March uh, Madness. Yeah, March Madness. So just to preface it, uh, we are going to talk about the history of American basketball, the hardwood, the round ball, <laughs> we are going to take a look at it from high school to college to the pros and, and in between. So let's take a look at that next month. Uh, until then, again, thank you for listening. If you want to reach out to me, Chris Casey at Chris Casey 71 on Twitter. And remember, have a great day, but a better tomorrow. We'll see you next time here on Sea to Shining Sea with Chris Casey. Mm-hmm.